0: Friday night, yeah. what's happening in Israel? Yeah. Friday night, yeah. we find out that that um, Hamas oh, yes. has been sneaking through the border into Israel. P- plants have been sneaking across or or being allowed into Israel. And Saturday morning, you have a bunch of people who have crossed the border, plants who release havoc mm-hmm. and and absolutely do unthinkable things in Israel. To the to the that is. Horrific, horrific to describe what's happening there. And then to realize that right now in Utah, we are, we, we, the the state that should be redder than red, we are a sanctuary state. We are allowing and not only allowing these people in here, but then we are releasing 67% of the people ice captures, including right out of their their own words, people who could potentially be MS 13 gang members. We're releasing them back onto the
1: streets. Are we not setting ourselves up? for exactly what Israel dealt with. Trojan horse. Mayor, you know, leading into what Jason's talking about, the simple fact that we have these uh, military-age fighting men. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen all kinds of reports and reporters down there at the border talking to all these border agents, bringing people across. These aren't Spanish guys. They're coming from Syria. They're coming from Senegal. They're coming from all over East Africa. Um, and, and a lot of them said, and then they say, where are you going? Mm-hmm. Florida, Texas, Utah. A lot of them said Utah. And so we've got all these people now. U- 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 U? Americano.
0: ¿A dónde vas? Georgia. Gracias. ¿Y usted? Ecuador. ¿A dónde vas? Nueva York. ¿Y usted? Utah. ¿A dónde? De Utah,
1: Utah.
0: ¿De dónde? A- De, donde? De Ecuador. ¿Y usted? Ecuador. ¿A dónde? Utah. Gracias. ¿Y usted? Ecuador. ¿A dónde? Utah. ¿Y usted? Ecuador, Nueva York. ¿Y usted? Ecuador. Nueva York. ¿Y usted? De Ecuador a Texas. ¿Y usted? Cubano. ¿A dónde? Boom. All of a sudden, all these people coming across the border saying they're coming to
1: Utah. Well, it's, uh, again, Utah has an easy policy like California does and others, and that's why this is a state that they're not looking at, no one's looking into, and again, the corruption in Utah runs deep.
2: And that was part of the conversation I had with the ICE field director. He said that very thing. He said that the intel they've got on the ground and is that Utah, go to Utah. They're very friendly and it's because they're not gonna deport you. They don't have any policies in place that are cooperating with ICE for these long-term detentions. And so go to Utah.
0: And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston. And today, good to have uh, the man, the myth, and the legend Tom Hazelden with me in place of Alexia.
1: It's always good to be here. I know I'm second place to that and as I should be.
0: Well, we're glad to have you. Tom's been with us on, uh, I mean, Tom's a regular with us and we appreciate him because if there's, one of the things I respect about Tom is Tom's not afraid to stand up and uh, call people out, call out corruption. And uh, there's a lot of corruption we're finding in Utah. It needs to be called out. So grateful to have you with us, Tom. And uh, we got a pretty cool episode today. Uh, this, this has been a huge issue that's kind of blowing up over the weekend,
1: hasn't it? Yes, it has. You know, Today's episode features the one and only the mayor of Riverton, Utah, one of my favorite cities in the state, Trent Staggs, who is running officially for the Senate seat of Romney. Yeah, And uh, Staggs is a true conservative, not one of these phony guys out there that says they are. And and uh, we're going to talk about that a little more. But we really like what uh, Trent is standing for. And I think you guys are going to enjoy the show. So,
0: You know, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, Trent, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here again. Um, we're very excited to have you running. And, uh, you know, I hope our listeners, look, when, um, when Mitt Romney stepped down, they did not have him step down without a plan. And they have someone who is basically Mitt 2.0 running in his place. And if we're gonna beat Mitt 2.0, who is Brad Wilson, uh, Speaker of the House, he's on Envision U Tommy, I mean, we're gonna get into who he is. If we're gonna beat him, it is gonna take everybody who is anti-establishment, any true conservative to rally behind Trent because I'll tell you what their strategy is. Every time we have uh, someone try to take on the establishment, it's it, it just chaps my hide. because there's, you know what their number one strategy is? Flood the field with conservatives. Get the conservatives to water themselves down over several different candidates. And then you get the all the rhinos and all the people who are really checked out, who are just going to vote where the money is, where the big name is. They'll support the establishment candidate. And then the one chance we had, we, we don't get them out because we're flooding the field. So. You know, I really hope that um, we can lead into this race with you versus Brad Wilson, and to any conservatives out there, why, are you, why Why? in the world would you try to get in the race and take Trent down when he has every major endorsement? And we're gonna get into that in a minute. Because look, this he, you, you've gotten in the race, yeah. you got in early, you're conservative, your track record is conservative, you've been on there, all the right things. What we're gonna be talking about today with you going after this, that you finally discovering that Utah has been sanctuary. a sanctuary state, is a huge. And I'll tell you, you've been winning my support. And, uh, so yeah, I'm thankful to have him on here.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Good to be on. And, and I'm in good company here. It sounds like then people that are bold and willing to act that's typified my career and also the 10 years that I've been in elected office. And like you said, I got into this race when Romney was still there. I was the only one, the only one bold enough to take on Mitt and the establishment. And you're absolutely right that the establishment has a successor. All lined up. Yep. They want to put money behind. You know, Brad Wilson's already raised three million dollars. He's got the who's who of the establishment there, behind him, and uh, we got to make sure that that doesn't
0: uh, that doesn't happen. And it seems most of Mitt's donors are going boom right to Brad Wilson.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's what, what it looks like when you look at the filings um, and, and the the fundraise events and everything else that's going on.
1: That's my understanding is that that a lot of the donors have uh, donated heavily right up front. And they're, uh, they're maximum to uh, to Brad Wilson here. And, and you're right. Why, if you're a conservative in this race, if you want to jump in, why would you split that vote and let someone that's not a true conservative take over?
0: And that's what they do. And, that, and, that, and that's why we've got to stop that. This episode is brought to us by Silverhawk Enterprises. And I just want to just give a shout out to you, Tom. Thank you for your support. Thank you for fighting with us. Um, and make sure you're following us on our social medias, especially... Get on Rumble if you're not there, yeah, because YouTube does continue to try to take things down, especially after some of our last stuff we did, which is exposing some of the ritualistic stuff, which is rightfully heavy. And I and I don't actually would understand them taking that down because it is very heavy stuff. So make sure you're following this on We Are The People UT on all of our other channels except for YouTube. So with that getting out of the way, let's freaking rock and roll. Let's do this. All right. So, Tom, what's your what do we got here? What do we want to hear from? Uh, I mean, I kind of just want to hear... I want to hear your story. Like, how did all the, because this, because you kind of gone, it has been all the news in Utah
1: over the weekend. Um, Well, let me, uh,
0: yeah, what do you got?
1: Let me lead off with a question. You know, here's one of the things I've liked about Trent. I've known him a long time, but one of of the things I like about him is that even during COVID, he was the guy to stand up. He's the guy to stand up against child pornography in our schools. Um, The the books are out of line to these, uh, you know, different districts and, and, and showing up in place of, Where we don't have as much of a voice where he's got a big platform but the thing that's been interesting is this last week with uh ice border enforcement um sanctuary states things like that well this guy trent he uh he hit it head on and so the question i have is this how did utah become a sanctuary state and how is it that utah is left of ice yeah because you're the only one that's actually doing something right now
2: yeah it was i tell you it was shocking to me so the story and yeah this just came out i had a meeting last Tuesday, um, so October 3rd, with the field office director of ICE and ICE, the, the Salt Lake City field office encompasses Montana, Idaho, Utah, Nevada. So those four states. He had been reaching out to me uh, multiple times, wanting to get a meeting. And the emails, I, I have these. And what's his name? Uh, Mike Bernanke okay. is the field office director. And he had made several attempts to reach out to me. And he said, look, I want to talk to you. I'm trying to get a hold of anybody that will listen. Of the seriousness of the issue that we have with respect to illegal immigration enforcement in the state of Utah. And it's got significant impacts to you and your community of Riverton. We've got a lot of new, you know, regional shopping centers. There's been a lot of theft. And reportedly, it's these, uh, you know, criminal theft rings that are uh, largely comprised of foreign nationals or, you know, illegal immigrants. So I said, yeah, sure, let's, let's meet. You know, I got the ICE director wanting to meet with me. So I went ahead and did that in my capacity as a mayor. And uh, during the meeting, he had emailed some information to me prior to, and um, he, he I invited my communications director and my police chief to attend the meeting. And so we sat down for a good hour and a half, and he had printed copies of this material, and he said, hey, look, I've designated Utah as a sanctuary state as of May 31st of this year wow. because of the lack of enforcement. And so th- to kind of simplify the issue, what is happening is ICE will arrest immigrants, illegal immigrants. Um, Not everybody. I mean, the perception is we're going on job, you know, job sites and, and pulling off illegal immigrants. Look, guys, they don't have the time for that. They have the same headcount they've had for years, with three to four times the amount of people coming across the border, you know, and he he defined the issue. 10,000 people a day at the southern border. And now across the border of Vermont, there's about 1500 people a day, an 800% increase across the northern border. So we're, we've been invaded. He said, five and a half million that we know of, about a million and a half gotaways. So there's seven million people just in the Biden administration that's come through our poorest borders. And that's, that's over twice the population of the state of Utah. Jeez. I mean, people need to understand the yeah. context of this. It's just, an invasion. It really is. Um, and so those numbers aside, what I was interested in were the numbers in Utah. And he said, we've got over 100,000 active cases that we're working right now. Um, and he put in this memo that designated Utah as a sanctuary state. Um, that just in a six-month period, for example, they had they had arrested about 4,000 people. And so these people are arrested, and they want to be detained in a local detention center, usually a county jail, right? That they'll have an agreement with, um, if they have an agreement with them, and they don't have any long-term agreements in Utah, because. And he admitted ICE is very difficult to work with. They've got 16 different agencies that can come in and audit at a moment's notice, so I understand the concerns on the part of local sheriffs, um, and, uh, but, but just the sheer number of these people that are being arrested that aren't detained long-term, that go back out into the general population and then commit crimes. A big percentage of them do. And the, the stat that just floored me was when he said, Trent, there are one to two sexual assaults a day being committed by illegal immigrants in the state of Utah, in 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 Utah. Utah, in Utah, every day, one to two are being released. And these are the ones we know about because they've actually done time. So once served, then ice is called to pick them up and deport them. And I was just blown away by these numbers and the criminality and the theft. And so I said, um, have you talked to the governor? Have you talked to governor Cox? He said, yes, I have. I said, well, what did he say? And he said well we want to be considered viewed as a welcoming state
0: that's what governor cox said
2: that's what i'm told was said that they just want to be viewed as a welcoming state and i thought wow and so knowing all this it weighed on me for about two days and i said you know back to your point tom i've got a platform right he came and met with me in my capacity as a mayor and highlighted all these issues that we have that impact my community and the rest of the state and that last point about the sexual assaults, I, I couldn't be silent anymore. I said, you know what, I'm putting out a statement um, because we need we need change. We've gotta have something happen. Um, we've gotta have the state step up and offer solutions like other states have done, like Texas and Florida and other red states. They have stood up, my understanding is, and helped provide additional uh, you know, monetary support, shield, counties and county jails and local authorities from, from litigation, and so why can't our state do that? And so it was with that intent that I put out a statement and said, hey, I called on specifically Governor Cox, uh, President Adams, the, the Senate president, and also the speaker, Brad Wilson, and said, I'm, I'm imploring you guys to do something. Right? Uh, as a mayor, I really can't do much other than use my platform, make people aware of this issue." But we need at this point, because of the utter failing, it is the utter failing of the federal government. I mean, make no question about it. This is a federal issue, a complete failure. But the state has to act as a backstop.
0: No, this, you, we have our. We, we, we have to. This state is a, is a, is a sovereign entity. It has to protect its, its, its citizens as number well. One,
2: number one duty of government. And so for us to, to just say, well, this is a federal issue, we've got to put our head in the sand.
0: Yeah, this federal issue, we could, if, if they're going to keep the borders open, what, what, we're not going to do anything if, if all the illegals come into our state. We're, no. we're going to, it's not our fault they're coming in here.
2: So the only, the only detention option that uh, ICE has in the state of Utah is in uh, Salt Lake City, the Salt Lake County Jail, and they only allow a 72-hour hold. And so, uh, these compared are,
0: to what? Compared com- to what's going on in other states? Like yeah. why you? Why are they so upset about what's happening in Utah? Let, help our listeners yeah. understand why Utah? Why they're putting up a fuss here versus uh, other states?
2: Well, it's it, it's about a seven hundred page agreement that the federal government asked to be signed by these local you know jails and, and sheriffs. Um, onerous requirements. I mean, it's ridiculous. The the number of agencies that can come in and audit. They request you know, that the, that ICE detainees have their own barbershop and soaps and everything. I mean, it's just insane, right? Congress needs to take action there. That's one thing I want to do immediately is lower that hurdle so that more local jails and detention centers can work to detain um, ICE uh, ICE captures, like individuals that are being captured by Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Because... If, if an illegal immigrant, you know, whether you're a citizen here or a legal immigrant, if you commit a crime and you're convicted, you go due time, right? right? So even if you're illegal, you're not considered, you're considered then part of the general jail population and these onerous rules don't apply. The detainees that ICE in that memo, my understanding is that they want, they ICE has said, look, they may not have committed a crime yet in America to the level at which they would be in jail, but these are people, it says right on ICE's website, that they're concerned or deemed a a safety risk or a flight risk. Um, And and they may have intel that these are gang members from other countries or that they've committed crimes in other countries. Not yet here. We want them detained. And so it's just the serious individuals. It's not every illegal immigrant that they're going after. Again, they just don't have the manpower and the resources for that. but it's those people that they have questions about. And what used to happen in the Utah County Jail, they, they maintained or held 400 beds they made available to detain folks. And they would end up then working with, through the, through the system and immigration attorneys, and determine whether or not this person should be in the U.S., whether it should be, they should be granted an asylum claim. And he said only about 14% of all the cases are actually granted asylum. The rest end up being deported. And so what used to take two to three months when ICE had these beds available to detain people long term and get them through the court system is now taking two to three years or longer because they're let out and they try to get them back into courts. And of course, people don't show up. And so in two to three years, they're laying down roots, uh, I'm told. And, you know, it just becomes it becomes a mess, a big, big mess. So again, my appeal was through the statement, hey, state of Utah, Let's take some action. Let's help out our county sheriffs and county jails, find a way to get something done and work through these onerous requirements of ICE because at the end of the day, we need to, as a state, we need to protect the public. We need public safety is number one, number one role of government and we've got to do it and other states are doing this um, and so we can't, you know the statement that was released last Friday from Governor Cox's office was that uh, we we can't be a backstop for the federal government, and yeah, we shouldn't have to, but there again, we need to be absolutely need to be a backstop. Yeah, we need up. to protect
0: our state. <clears throat> I find it interesting because according to this document, um, this, here's what they said: despite outreach by the office. But despite outreach by the offices of Senators Mitt Romney, Mike Lee, along with Congressman Stewart, Owens, Moore, and John Curtis, to local major county sheriffs, these offices have been unable to influence the sheriffs to provide bed space. So all of our representatives know about this. They, apparently they've reached out to all of our reps. But I really respect you because you're the one who actually put up the red flags. Yep. To, to All these other reps knew about this. But you're the one who called it out. So I appreciate you calling it out. And uh, I'm surprised that um, these sheriffs have been unwilling to do that. So so you call so you called out Cox over the weekend. What happened? Yeah. Because it kind of seemed like it didn't. I mean, you, you just did the right thing. Like you got an I, this ice officer saying, look, Utah is basically acting like a sanctuary state. Um, they're not cooperating. They're, they're released, it's forcing us to release these illegals back into your state. And he does say that um, you've got MS-13 gang members.
2: Yeah, that was, uh, that was the interesting, I mean, just really, he, he said, look, the US government has an agreement with El Salvador, uh, for example, one example of why we need to have detentions longer than 72 hour period. And, and the agreement, which I, I would love to get in there and change, is that if uh, somebody from El Salvador is apprehended in, in Utah, they need to remain in that jurisdiction in which they've been apprehended for seven days. Seven days. And we only have areas right now that will hold people for 72 hours. So he told me, after the 72 hour hold, like we know they're gang members, they may not have committed a crime here yet, we would normally in, in other states where we've got cooperation, we would detain them long term. Here, we need to let them back out in the general population. Sometimes we'll slap an so, ankle, so they, sometimes so they catch, we'll slap an ankle bracelet on them. And we hope that, you know, we can still track
0: them. So, so they catch someone who, who could be an MS 13 gang member. They want to hold them over, hold them, they need a place to hold them and keep them until they can get them through the court process and That's get right. them deported. And in Utah, the it's seems like it's the sheriffs that are saying, no, we're not going to hold them. And it's being forced for, is, is it, is it, to what percentage are being released?
2: Well, it, it, it says in his memo about two thirds of uh, of arrests, do you want uh, ice, read that? ICE arrests. Yeah, or, read
1: that to us. What is what do you got? So, <clears throat> this was the uh, memorandum May thirty first, twenty twenty three, from uh, Michael Bernacki, the field office director that you were talking mm-hmm. about. So it says in fiscal year twenty three, so from October first of twenty two to April thirtieth of twenty three, Salt Lake City field office arrested forty two four thousand two hundred sixteen foreign nationals, of which only thirty three percent or thirteen hundred ninety six were detained by ICE. And sixty-seven percent were released from ICE custody. Sixty-seven. Sixty-seven percent. That's in your backyard. Yeah, and then non-non uh, detention policies stemming from local sheriff's office directly resulted in this exceptional number of foreign nationals being re- uh, released back into the community to reside alongside Utah residents. And you know, one of the things that, that that we were talking about is that the thing that bothers me is that with what Trent has done with some of these endorsements, he's picked up the FOP. And uh, there were some people that I'll let you speak on, Trent, that mm-hmm. uh, kind of came out and attacked you, some some uh, um, high-ranking members, I guess, in our societal nature here in Utah that said, hey, Trent, you know, these are you, you've come out and attacked the uh, yeah. uh, sheriff's office or things like that. So speak on that and why, yeah. why this is important for, for us to understand because the layman, we don't understand what it is and all we're doing is taking now an excerpt from what somebody else posted yeah. and the media is blowing that up. So let, let's hear what you have to yeah, say. Yeah, it was on. rather
2: unfortunate. And I saw the Sheriff's Association come out with a statement and it was very personal. It yeah. Why? T- it, 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 it's a that great, was so weird. That's a great question for them. I think their lobbyists really got them spun up. Um, my statement clearly didn't mention the sheriffs. In fact, the only people I called out were state elected officials like governor Cox and Adams and Wilson and said, please do something and support the sheriffs. Do they need more money? Do they need you know, uh, screening uh, uh, against lawsuits and those sorts of things? And so there were ways in which the state can help out. And um, you know, to be called out in that way was just really, really shocking to me. What ended up happening, to answer your question about, after that, so my statement came out Thursday, Friday, the very next day, state leaders met with this field office director for ICE. And they said, We can't have this designation. Um, He ended up rescinding it on Friday, October 6th. He issued another memo that says, we're going to rescind that. That was outdated. He just met with me on Tuesday before it wasn't outdated. Then he was stressing the seriousness of it. He asked me for help. He wanted me to introduce him to other mayors and talk about this issue there so that more local authorities could be made aware of it. but suddenly between Thursday when I issued the statement what Friday, happened? it became outdated. I'm told that a deal was made. And if you read that memo, it looks like that. So the state wow. has actually stepped up now. They're willing to Because do
0: you called them out. We did and then that. They, and then not only they, they go and say, okay, now we ought to fix this because we've been caught. Then they turn around and try to throw you under the bus saying, how and dare it. you use an outdated memo?
2: Yeah. Yeah. One day. Yeah, it was outdated uh, for, I guess, the, the five minutes that they had the meeting and you know made, made a decision to change at the end of it.
0: You know what I find interesting about the timeline here too, is you find all this out on, what what day was it?
2: I found out on Tuesday, October 3rd, issued my statement on, uh, on Thursday, the 5th
0: And And Friday night, what's happening in Israel?
1: Yeah.
0: Friday night, we find out that, that um, Hamas has been sneaking through the border into Israel. Plants have been sneaking across or, or being allowed into Israel and Saturday morning, You have a bunch of people who've crossed the border plants who release havoc Mm -hmm. and, and absolutely do unthinkable things in Israel to the, to the, that is horrific, horrific to describe what's happening there. And then to realize that right now in Utah, we are, we, we, the, the state that should be redder than red, we are a sanctuary state. We are allowing and not only allowing these people in here, but then we are releasing 67% of the people ICE captures, including right out of their, their own yeah. words, people who could potentially be MS 13 gang members. Yeah. We're releasing them back onto the streets. Are we
1: not setting ourselves up for exactly what Israel dealt with? Trojan horse. Mayor, you know, leading into what Jason's talking about. Simple fact that we have these uh, military age fighting men. I've, I've mm-hmm. seen all kinds of reports and reporters down there at the border talking to all these border agents, bringing people across. Mm-hmm. These aren't Spanish guys. They're coming from Syria. They're coming from Senegal. They're coming from all over East Africa. Um, and, and a lot of them said, and then they say, Where are you going? Mm-hmm. Florida, Texas, Utah. A lot of them said Utah. And so we've got all these people now. You? Dominicano. ¿A
0: dónde vas?
1: Gloria.
0: Gracias. ¿Y usted? Ecuador ¿A dónde vas? Nueva Jersey ¿Y usted? Utah ¿A dónde? Utah ¿De dónde? De De Ecuador ¿Y usted? Ecuador ¿A dónde? Utah Gracias ¿Y usted? Ecuador ¿A dónde? Utah ¿Y usted? Ecuador, Nueva York ¿Y usted?
1: Ecuador Nueva Jersey ¿Y usted? De
0: Ecuador a Texas ¿Y usted?
1: Cuba ¿A dónde? ¿A qué estado?
0: Boom. All of a sudden, all these people coming across the border saying they're coming to Utah.
1: Well, it's uh, again, Utah has an easy policy like California does and others. And that's why and this is a state that they're not looking at. No one's looking into. And again, the corruption in Utah runs deep.
2: And, and that was part of the conversation I had with the ice field director. He said that very thing. He said that the intel they've got on the ground and is that Utah go to Utah. They're that's, very that's, friendly, and it's because they're not going to deport you. They don't have any policies in place that are cooperating with ICE for these long-term detentions, and so go to Utah.
0: So, so you're telling me these middle-aged men, who 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 Let's milit- excuse excuse me. These military-aged men are being told go to Utah. They will not deport you. Yeah, that was. That's what he told you. He
2: he told me, and I'm not sure on the age of the people, but you know, just in in all of the um and kind of what countries countries of origin we know that we've had what well over a hundred you know people there's come people from china from there's people 100 from china. different countries but yes that was generally the the statement is go to utah it's um it's a great place and then i they just the the, the the risk of deportation is
1: very low if the field director is bringing that up to you in a, in a conversation and is talking about this in a memo mm-hmm. Isn't that a much bigger issue than I think that we think it is? I mean, this is probably large and like Jason said, what what happened in Israel or what's happening in Israel, these men were across the border doing who knows what at the time, setting up operations. And the United States is primed for something like this because we have such a lack of, uh, honestly, accountability, caring, and and really it's complacency and and people are, they're they're funding this. Who is funding this stuff to allow these things and, 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 and these types of people, these men mostly, not a lot of women and children that at least that they're showing that I'm seeing down on the border that are coming in yeah. does that not frighten every it american it does i mean I, I don't
2: know all the statistics but i think you're right i mean anecdotally when you look at the video for example and you see that um, yeah it's troubling it's troubling and the fact that we've got folks that want to put their head in the sand and, well, not and, and that it. we have
0: a governor who who's who is saying we're hey doors are open we're a welcoming state yeah we, i mean i mean Look, here's what I'd say to, to our viewers: This is your state; it's not the governor's state. When did you give your representative's authority permission to make Utah a sanctuary state to all these men who are crossing the border? And it is, it is, it
1: is. You look at the film; it is men, military-aged men, crossing the border. And it's not like we don't have the ability. No. Doing what you did, coming out with that with that uh, memo, the letter, um, this started uh, a, a frenzy amongst the elites, the ones in power, Mm -hmm. if you will, because there's a policy that's in place. They're not even following their own policy. So at what point are they complicit? How do we get around that? Where do we go with this?
2: Yeah, I mean, that was that was highlighted too in the meeting. I mean, Utah passed a law back in 2011 that talks about immigration and it requires local authorities to work with ICE. And so um, we think a lot of these these policies that don't have make the detention beds available, is a violation of state law and federal law. Um, so we need to be enforcing our laws. We have to.
1: How do you enforce that, Trent? Yeah, does, you, that you elect
2: the right people. <laughs> you elect the right people that have all sworn an oath, we've all sworn an oath that have been elected in office, I have as a mayor. And that was another thing that weighed on my mind before releasing this statement, because I couldn't get anybody. You know, I, I did make some calls. I reached out in that 48-hour period. Um, have you heard about this? You know, It was the various people. I don't want to out anybody. but yeah yeah we know about this and this is what he said the governor said is that did it, is that what happened yeah yeah oh wow okay well you yeah, know we need to I, I swore an oath getting back to that it was another thing that weighed on my mind to uh, obey support and defend the constitution of the united states and the constitution of the state of utah every elected office officer in the state has made that oath
1: as a mayor what authority do you have with your city and your police department with this type of an issue
2: yeah well I, as the mayor, I am the chief executive officer, but also the chief law enforcement officer for Riverton. So I hire a police chief. You know, I appoint one. My counsel confirms that appointment and really helps oversee that all the laws are in, enforced in our community. And so when our police department identifies those that you know are committing crimes that are not here legally, um, they go and work with county jails and with ICE uh, to follow the follow-up process that you know isn't ultimately right now isn't the uh, many folks aren't being detained
1: so it's not the cities that are the problem right now it looks like it's uh, enforcement at a different level entirely mm-hmm. well
0: i mean it's, it sounds like it's a, a, to a large degree his 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 beef was with the sheriff's office yeah and i know you didn't want to call out the sheriff's and you didn't call it the sheriff's no. uh, am i reading that right though that's what the memo says
2: and, and I did make some calls, you know, to folks that uh, understood the issue. And even the ICE director indicated, it's it's very onerous to work with ICE. And so I get that. And that's why I made the appeal to the state, a layer up, if you will, to say, hey, help them out. Don't put all the onus, don't put all the burden on the county sheriffs and the county jails. Do they need do they need additional funding? I mean, we just had billion dollar surpluses here in this state. Um, let's, let's help them out. Let's do what we can.
0: So you're running against, uh, Brad Wilson, mm-hmm. where does, where's Brad Wilson on all this? I mean, cause he is, he is, the speaker of the house. I mean, he, he, he obviously knows what's going on here. Yeah.
2: And has what? been since, uh, what 2019. So I think he's well aware of the issue. I think that's part of the problem. Why I was called out and I was attacked, um, why they reverse course so much. They know that this can't stand. Uh, I think many people are culpable.
0: See, this stuff stands when nobody knows, mm-hmm. when it stays out of the public's eye. This is where I have a problem. And you mentioned earlier, uh, what kind of what kind of Republican were you saying we got a problem with?
2: <laughs> we have a problem in this state and in this country in electing what I call counterfeit conservatives.
0: Counterfeit, I, I love that. You, I hadn't heard that term and you brought that yeah. up earlier today. And I think that's what Utah, I think it's a great term for a lot of our politicians in Utah. And I'll, I'll call them that. Because, you know, and this is why I'm, I really am supportive of of you running and and really would want and willing to fight to get you in office. We need, I mean, because every single one of our, our federal reps knew about this, not one single person decided to make to make it, to bring it to the public. And last time we met, the first time we had you on the show, we're there's actually the three of us together. And one of the things, Tom, you said that that stuck out to me is you said, we need what? A watchman on on the tower. That is exactly, Back in DC. is that not exactly what, you, wh- why could. Because what else can you do for the state? <clears throat> Look, he. You, you've already, you've done that. How many people knew about this? Cox, Brad Wilson. Um, we can go down the list. Every one of our federal reps, not one of them was willing to bring it to public attention because did you not get called out after doing it? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, Good. And man. I don't
2: know about the federal reps. I think, I think some of them were trying to work on the, 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 the laws that Congress has enacted that make but it they so knew onerous. About it. That I'll call them out. Gels,
0: they clearly, he says right here, they knew and, the and, and they may have tried to work directly with sheriffs, but nothing, but when they know this is still happening, where was, where was their courage? And maybe it's because they don't want to upset the establishment apple cart.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the question, yeah, why is it that you have to do this, uh, someone that's, uh, you know, a mayor in, uh, in the city here of, of, of Riverton? Why do you have to call this out when there are others that have a different platform that can be a higher watchman? Why, and, is, it, why is it that Trent Staggs has to have that? And then
0: why, are, why is so-called conservatives calling you out? Like, I don't understand, why did Greg Hughes call you out?
2: Well, that's a great question for Greg Hughes. I think, you know, Greg Hughes is the lobbyist for the Sheriff's Association. Um, Greg Hughes was talked to, I know directly by somebody who, um, explained again, the statement, it didn't call out the sheriffs, uh, because Greg had called this person and said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a, a statement. We're going to lay it all on the line. And he said, why would you do that? Nothing's been called out. So why he felt the need to go ahead and, and, uh, you know, get get this association really agitated about this issue I, right. I i don't know but
0: i think you know it just reminds me of there's it's one big club and in utah is such a big political club and they, and they all protect their own and again my hat's off to you for having the courage to stand up because i'm telling you i think there's a lot of people out there that are looking for someone this is why people elected president trump why yeah, people I, like ron DeSantis. they're they're tired of of the status quo they're tired of people who are trying to just protect their backs protect the backs of all the other establishment players we like trump because trump came out and he came out to stand up to the establishment and obviously they've just tried to destroy him over it and i think we have so many of these counterfeit conservatives that are more concerned with staying in power and 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 having the support of the of of the big club than standing for truth
1: i agree you know trent i think it's uh it's very telling what you're doing here And, and and you can do all the same things that that Trump is doing without the mean tweet. Okay, more, much more polished. Much more polished. We need more. And uh, he understands the issues, um, the way that he can articulate things and bring bring the attention to items that are very, very important in our everyday living. I mean, guys, this is something that's uh, that's building and building, and this is eventually those chickens are going to come home to roost. We're all going to have a problem if somebody doesn't stand up and say, "Hey, you know, where's where, yeah. where's the Paul Revere?"
2: Well, thank you. No, I appreciate that, and 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 uh, the support, both of you, it's huge and you're using your platform here to to make people aware of it, that we have to, we've got to rally around true conservatives, folks that are going to stand up. That's what this election is about. To me, this election for the Senate seat is about who has the courage to finally go back there and stand up against the club, stand up against the establishment and finally work for the American people because the ruling elite thing, this isn't working. We're $33 trillion in debt, We've got hundreds of federal agencies making 100,000 pages of rules every year that we all have to live under that they're not accountable to. It's just, it, it's, it's horrible. We need, we, we just need a huge change. And we're, the only way we're going to get it is with folks that actually have the courage that have demonstrated the ability to stand up to the establishment.
1: Trent, I'm going to correct you on one point there. It's working for them. It's not working for yeah. the people. Yeah. And that's it's not working that's for the and that's who our elected officials work for is the people. It's actually working for them because that's what they're trying to do is separate this into the uh, uh, have and have nots. Yeah. And no. it's or it feels like the elite versus the regular people. Correct. Yeah. But great point.
0: So tell us about um, – because one of the things, it seems like you're doing a very great job with endorsements. What's going on there? What kind of support are you getting out there?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, as we talked about earlier, came out and announced late May. It was the only one that had the courage to take on Mitt Romney directly. Everybody else that's come into the race subsequently has done so after Romney decided he wasn't, you know, announced he's not seeking reelection. So, um, that courage is contagious. That courage and boldness has been rewarded, I think, in the endorsements we've garnered. And so nationally we've had Mark Levin, Charlie Kirk, Harmy Dillon, Kerry Lake, you know, she came out here just a few weeks ago yeah. to do an event.
0: That sounds like it was amazing.
2: Um, we also have Ambassador Rick Grinnell, um, also you know, he was the Director of National Intelligence as well under Trump, and then his Deputy Assistant and also someone who was the Chief of Staff for the Department of Defense under Trump, Kash Patel, has also endorsed. So we continue to get great solid America First and great you know, conservatives that have endorsed our candidacy. They recognize that I am the conservative and that folks should rally around our candidacy here in the state of Utah. If they finally want somebody in office, it's gonna work for them.
1: How about mayors in the state of Utah? How are you doing on those guys? We're
2: doing well, we're doing well. We've been campaigning, going across the state these four months. We picked up dozens and dozens of, uh, of endorsements from mayors, from county commissioners, from city council members. I think there, they really recognize that, oh wow, here's somebody from the state of Utah you know, from elementary school to graduate school, I've attended Utah schools. I've raised my family here. I've operated businesses here. I helped take a company public. Uh, listed on NASDAQ uh, last year. And so, and then being in elected office 10 years, they love the fact that I'm a mayor. That I'm from here. I understand the issues. I understand federalism. I understand that proper role of government. And I've demonstrated that in the time I've been in office. And so that's what they want. They know they're going to be well-represented. That's resonating as we're going across the state. And, you know, I was just up in... Uh, in northern utah uh, the last two days and picked up uh, another half a dozen endorsements or so so it just keeps gaining steam
1: i've got a i've got an important an important point to make here on the normal people in the state of utah versus the elites okay and let's just say that's uh 99 of them okay i think 99 percent of the people here in utah want somebody like a trent staggs a mayor trent staggs to do this and then you've got the elites that hold so much power okay you got this one percent that uh, says this is everything, this is everybody. They've got the money, they've got the machine, they've got all these things behind them. And they're gonna say and do whatever it takes, as we can see in this, these other letters that were, that were coming out against Trent, mm-hmm. to try to take him down and derail his campaign when it was actually false, what was said about him. And I mean, this is, this is very true now. But the point is that you're, you're traveling the state and seeing these guys. What type of pushback are you seeing saying, hey, we want to Mitt Romney?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing next to nobody <laughs> okay, say that, and, and that's where it didn't come as a surprise to me when Mitt actually said, I'm not seeking reelection. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've, I've had this conversation with others. It's like, wow, we knew, I mean, just polling data, he was maybe in the 30% range in terms of Republican voters. Um, and, and just anecdotally, as we travel the state, hardly anyone we've talked to said, yeah, we want Mitt in there, or we want somebody like Mitt.
1: Well, that's my point to the voter that's looking at this and, and is going to be deciding and, and thinking about these things with what Trent stands for, is why are we going to listen to some of these guys that have this power behind them? You need to really pay attention to your candidates when you vote.
0: You know one thing I'd, because uh, this is really, and, and Trevor Loudon really talked about this, that this is really on a global level turning into it the elites versus the regular people. And Utah has a group of elites, and they can be found in Envision Utah. We've, taught, we've done shows on Envision Utah. They are the ones who are behind pushing regionalism, which is really the, where a lot of the smart city stuff comes from. Anybody, and I'd encourage you to go and look at the board. You can go to the Envision Utah. They have a website. Uh, and go look at the board. And one of the names you're going to see right there at the top of the board, along with several of these governors, Coxes involved with that, is Brad Wilson, Speaker of the House. I mean, you don't get more entrenched in Utah's establishment than Brad Wilson. And I just hope people can see who he is, because you've got these so-called conservatives trying to push, you know, promote him. Um, And it's like, how can you be calling this guy a conservative? I mean, you look, just look at, I mean, who he is. I mean, this guy is not a conservative. He is Mitt 2.0. And I'll tell you, I'm actually more concerned about him than Mitt. Do you know why? Because Mitt, you know what you've got. Mitt is no longer a wolf in sheep's clothing. People know who Mitt is, and they're watching him they want him out there they are they're trying they will shut him down. But the problem is you get someone who goes in there under the false pretense of being a conservative. you know Brad Wilson pretends to be a conservative, and the, then all of a sudden people trust him, and those are the ones that can do the most damage. It's the wolf in sheep's clothing that i'm that I'm the most afraid of. Well, and he
2: could be in there for thirty years, given his age. So yeah. he gets in there, yeah. like you said as a conservative and trying to paint himself that way. And I agree with your assessment. I mean, he's, he embodies the establishment. He's the speaker of the house. I mean, go look at his, his donors. It's the who's who of, it's oh, all yeah. the lobbyists. It's all the establishment players. And if you look at his voting record too, it's very weak with respect to conservatism. I mean, it's in the last year, he's made a pivot because he knew he was running for this office. But back in 2019 he's in leadership. He was the speaker of the house then and he's the one that passed the, sales, the increase on uh, sales tax. Um, he's pushed through a lot of other fee increases and, and taxes. Um, he's trying to claim that he's cut taxes by $850 million, the income tax. But if you take into account the increase in motor, motor vehicle res- registrations, um, the state levy portion of property tax for education that it increased, I mean, net-net, you're maybe a wash. And the thing that he did in his tenure too, in his first year in leadership, the state budget was 16 billion. This past year, it's now 30 billion dollars. Saw Jeez. that the other Double. day. It's doubled.
1: Let me let me point out. Yeah, what do you got? Why why it's important with him being involved with Envision? So Envision are they're a group. Obviously, you've done shows on them. They're a group that's that's involved with how this state puts together communities. And transportation uh, studies and all types of things that, and then developers listen to what happens. The state listens to it. Money's funded through this. I mean, that's just in a nutshell. But but if Brad is involved, uh, you know, Brad was a home builder and uh, ran a company, and same thing. You've got all these developers. Conflict of interest. There's complete conflict, conflicts of interest, and you know that. and, And you know, smart guy, and he knows how to how to work that system, and so that's why I think it's super important. If he's sitting on this board and vision, there's a question as to why. And if he has so much power up there, uh, you know, as speaker, and then he gets in as a, in the Senate, you know, guys, we've got problems. I mean, right. this is a deep entrenched individual.
0: But he's got a fundraiser going on tonight. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find it. Um, if do either of you guys have that, a link to that, because you got to look at the people who are, who he has listed on it. Like yeah. when someone sent that to me, I started reading through and it was like, I knew every single name it's and who's not who in, who in the a establishment. good, it, it yeah. is, it was the exact who's who of the establishment. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? Well, you've got like the when Miller's, you have the show, I mean, it is, it is, I mean, Cox I mean it's, I honestly want to find it because when someone sent it to me, I was like, are you kidding me? Cause it is literally all the who's who's when Chelsea hope comes on and does these shows of envision Utah and all the players who are on every single board, like Utah's deep state, it was like, every single name i knew and mm-hmm. there was a couple on there that i think all right i think maybe they're not maybe they're just you know just got money and they're there to support him. i don't know that they're really uh you know c- corrupt but all the who's who's that we know are like bad players are all behind him. so it's like oh my gosh if they're all trying to get him in you know he's bad
2: yeah we, we i mean again he's the establishment in this race we're really the outsider the proven conservative fighter and that's what we need more than ever, yeah. and so that's where we need people's help.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Tom, what are your uh, closing thoughts here?
1: Well, I think that uh, I think it's been interesting just to take to light some of these things that we're we're learning, and it, we shouldn't be necessarily learning these at the uh, at the eleventh hour when guys we're being invaded. You know, luckily we're not one of the border states, but we are a sanctuary state. And that's actually been very troubling for me to learn, even in the past. Like, I've known this for a while. As a contractor, I see a lot of things. I see a lot of people that are here illegally. A lot of those people are good people. But what's happening, guys, is they're bringing people across this border that are here for nefarious reasons. And that's the thing that concerns me. It's not the people that are here to work and make a living and, and, you know, feed a family. It's those guys that are here to to be a Trojan horse to who knows what is going to happen. And so, you know, just super grateful that... We've got somebody like uh, Mayor Staggs out here that's that's uh, you know sounding the alarm and standing up on that watchtower. So thank you for that. Amen. Closing thoughts. And I would
2: agree with that. I mean, there are a lot of great people that come here and come here to work, and uh, we we're a nation built on immigrants, right? My ancestors came from Italy and Western Europe. So <clears throat> I'm I'm all for having a process. We've got an immigration policy. We need to enforce it. We need to do it, but those aren't the people, those people here just to work, those aren't the people that ICE is wanting to detain that's mentioned in that memo, those 4,000 plus. These are people that they think have, um, have serious issues and that are here that could potentially do harm for our citizens. And so as a state, absolutely need to step up. State has to be the backstop to a failed, failed federal uh, government here with respect to immigration. And that's one thing that I want to immediately get back
0: there and address. Well, I'm, I'm thankful for you. I'm really appreciate you shining the light on this. It, it's, it was a huge issue to me before sat before the attack in, in Hamas into Israel. Um, because you've we've seen it, we have seen it, we've seen these people crossing the border. And we've been known that this is not good. This is not good. This is cannot be good to have these open borders. And then you see what Hamas did. And then to find out that from this report that ice is that, that ice, that Utah is left of ice and that ice right from their own report said this, the the states that have similar sanctuary policies to Utah are California, New Jersey, Illinois, New Jersey, and New York and Colorado, that, that they line us yeah. up with those blue states and a governor who says, well, let's all just disagree better. And let's all just let it happen. And there are consequences to actions. There will be consequences to this utah we keep talking about how it's it's one of the most corrupt states in the country and here again it it raises its head so to our listeners um you know we've got to support uh people like trent um we cannot get we i will tell you their strategy they will prompt people to run against him conservatives to split our vote so that that so that it is a bunch of conservatives and then one big money player, Brad Wilson, who they get in. We cannot allow them to divide us. And with this, as far as the sanctuary state, call the governor. Call your reps. Call your sheriffs. Tell, tell them to support ICE. Tell them to support, stand up and support our borders. Uh, releasing 67% of the people ICE are catching right back yeah. into our state. ICE has been screaming forever for attention, for someone. To, and finally, he, they have one person willing to stand up. So,
2: and that's one thing I do want to say again, <laughs> I've been called out that I, I'm supporting the Biden administration because I want to enforce immigration law and actually not be left of ice. Are you kidding yeah. me? This is a complete failure. of The Biden administration, they've been horrible. And I've been calling that out from day one, the first day I announced my candidacy, we have not been shy to call out Biden on this. It's been horrible, but again, we cannot put our head in the sands uh, we have to, we have to be the backstop. If the federal government has completely failed us as they have, then we've got to do something and, uh, that's something the state and the states recognize that. And and that's the meeting, the outcome of the meeting Friday that they just had, where that designation was rescinded and the memo from May was outdated. It said because (laughs) they made a deal, they've done something to finally address this issue. And so. In that respect, I'm glad that we rang the alarm, that we stood there on the tower, let people know about this so we can actually effectuate change.
0: Well, they've been giving you hell for it and uh, they will continue to. And so, you know, those of you who, who are tired of the Utah establishment and tired of the establishment general, let's get behind Trent. Uh, Tommy. you're freaking you. rock star. Thank you for being on today. And uh, folks, thank you for... for Thank you for, you know, sharing the video. Thank you for watching. Thank you for liking and, and uh, for subscribing. We've been getting a lot of great support and, and it's because of you guys. Um, and this is the cool thing. bunch this is this, this, here's the way we win. Not politicians, not establishment, not presidents, regular people like the three of us just standing up in despite our weaknesses and just getting in the fight and doing what we can. And that's what each of you can do. And And I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna win. And it only comes down to what our role is going to be in that fight. So God bless you all. God bless Utah. Let's freaking go.